I think we're almost here. I know at least five, five, six of us are here. <laughs> just save uh, Blake for the last intro. <laughs> Blake, just go ahead. Are you even here? Are you there? Can you hear us? <laughs> no. You know, everything needs a running joke. It's, yeah. We got one now. This is good. Over 78 with the audio. <laughs> That's not working, man. This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen, and I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. This episode is another Bourbon Pursuit milestone. It's episode 400. Well, it's technically number 668 if we include whiskey quickies in This Week in Bourbon, but let's not get into those details. On this Bourbon Community Roundtable, we cover two topics in depth. First is the news blitz of what we've seen as the whiskey fungus articles that have surfaced focused on Jack Daniels. And if you've driven past a distillery in maybe the past, I don't know, say 100 or so years, you would have seen this everywhere. It also pops up in the news feed pretty much every year. So why is it just now making national headlines? I also asked the group if there's anything distilleries can or should do to get in front of this to avoid any negative PR in the future. In the second half of the show, it dives into Haspel 5 and that attacks the Kentucky ad valorem tax, in which Kentucky is the only state out of the entire United States that taxes on barrels that are aging in warehouses. We also look at what this means for the citizens that benefit from the tax, and if we feel distilleries are already taxed enough. With that, enjoy this week's episode, and now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from DJ Williams, who writes me on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. I have noticed that drinking whiskey many days in a row causes staining on my teeth. I have recently changed my brushing habits and added a powerful whitening mouthwash, and it has helped a lot. Do you have any special oral hygiene procedures or products that you use? Well, DJ, I never thought that I would be uh, talking about dental hygiene here on uh, Bourbon Pursuit, but here we go. Uh, first of all, great question. Uh, and I, too, had a spell where uh, my teeth were getting stained uh, very badly. And that was when I was writing my book, Rum Curious. And the reason why, rum, they add a lot of uh, coloring and they add a lot of uh, flavoring to it. For the most part, in the category, not everybody does, but it, it happens a lot. So scotch, Irish whiskey, rum, Canadian whiskey, pretty much the majority of the whiskey in the world adds coloring to it. Bourbon, they're not allowed to add coloring to it. But these blends of straights, there's all these barrel finishes, things like that. You know, there can be stain-causing materials in those whiskeys. If you see bottled and bond or straight bourbon only, something like that, there will not be uh, coloring added to them or materials in them that have like uh, sugar components to it. So I would say like a lot of it depends on on what you drink and what you what you put upon your teeth. And I'm not a dentist. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm a dental hygienist or that I study you know the dental world whatsoever. But I have noticed that when a category adds uh, coloring to their stuff, 
uh, my teeth do take a, a pounding uh, when I taste their products. So yes, I have noticed that over the years. In terms of my dental regimen, why, well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I actually have a pretty strict one. I brush my teeth uh, two, sometimes three times a day. I floss two, sometimes three times a day. I cannot stand having food in my teeth, but I cannot stand it even more when someone's picking at their teeth with their fingers. So I floss regularly, and uh, I don't use toothpicks, and I use a Crest mouthwash. I was actually told by my dentist that the uh, some of the alcohol-containing mouthwashes will stain your teeth. So that is, I would say, consult your dentist about that and not your bourbon podcaster. But I'm here to help you where I can, DJ. And I hope my advice helped you. But that's this week's Above the Char. If you want to be like DJ and ask me another medical question, well, I'll do my best to answer. But remember, I'm not a doctor. Until next week, cheers. Oh, and you can write me on fredminnick.com as well. Cheers. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. And today is episode number 400 of Bourbon Pursuit. Woo! I'd say, I, well, I, I got to preface this because 
it is episode 400 that we've done for our Thursdays. But now that we've added in whiskey quickies and this weekend bourbon, I think we're up to like 600 something. But for the actual podcast of our Thursdays that we originally set out to do and build, we're now at episode 400. But this is also Bourbon Community Roundtable number 78. So I'm very glad we could celebrate this milestone with all of our favorite people and our favorite guests to be able to talk about some new favorite subjects that we are kind of just trying to figure out before we started here of, of what hot takes and which ones we should get to. But we got everybody here today. So Fred and Ryan. Hello, fellas. Hey, happy 400. Who would have thought? Yeah. Yes, yes. We got our master distiller over here. We got our master author. So I'm just glad we got a few different things. I, I'm still waiting to figure out what my master title is going to be. And I know what everybody's thinking. Don't say it. Master formula. I don't know. Yeah. V lookup. How about that? Master auto sum. <laughs> uh, and then, well, of course, we've got everybody down here towards the bottom of the screen, but I'll let them quickly introduce ourselves and we'll jump into it. So, Blake, we'll start with you. Yeah. Always fun to be here. Glad it could be for number 400. You know, it's episode number five. Um, it's it's amazing how much it's grown since then. So, uh, Blake from Sealbox and Bourboner, and thanks for having me. So, Kenny, our audio has gotten better from episode one to 400. Blake's has gotten worse. It's gotten better. I said nothing but nice things about you guys. And now I'm going to troll the comment section the rest of the episode. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's well, at some point, I think there was a, before we started, Jordan was saying we just all need to have a, a meeting down in Jacksonville just to do a troubleshooting session because Blake has bought a new computer. I've shipped him two microphones. And we still got issues. So at some point, we got we to gotta figure out what's going on. Blame StreamYard. Yeah, he's always saying it's StreamYard, but I remember having some other issues with the other one. What was the other one we used to use? Nah, who can who can remember that, that <laughs> long ago? Just, there's there's a common that. denominator with all the platforms. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. And Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me on number 78 and 400. So happy to be here, Brian, with Sipping Corn, Bourbon Justice on the Wall. Um, this will be a fun one. I'm excited to talk about this. It's it's uh, it's punitive, um, but it's riling people up. So I think we can get some good hot takes and get everybody riled up. Oh, we're putting the cart before the horse. We'll, we'll get to the people. People are, I think we're going to be itching and dying to be able to talk about some of these ones because they are, they're, they're good topics. I haven't actually been really excited for some topics up until this one, because these are very topical, well, they are topical topics, but they're also, they, they hit on a lot of good little juicy tidbits too. So uh, Jordan, wrap us up here real quick. Hey, thanks for having us fellas. Part of the Breaking Berman team. This is Jordan. Always happy to be part of this group. Can't believe we're on number 78 already. Should be a good show. Yep. Maybe by 100, we'll have good audio between Ooh, all that's of us. Really, that's yeah, a by, big by ask. Six of the six of us. We'll get that's there. That's a though. big ask. It is. It is. It is. So the first topic that we're going to talk about is something that it was funny. A few weeks ago, it wasn't even a few weeks ago, it had been a, a week or two ago, you started seeing all this news starting popping up about in the, in, in, whether it's New York Times or whether it's Insider or whether whomever it is. And all of a sudden, I think a lot of us start getting hit up by people and they're like, oh my God, you see this news story? You see this news story? And it's talking about the all the things that are happening at Jack Daniels where they had to kind of stop putting uh, a 
uh, construction because of some lawsuits that are happening. And this is all done because of the black fungus known as Bodonia compkinesis. I hope I said that right. But the, I'll, I'll talk about the news story here in a second. But the reason that I didn't really talk about this on This Week in Bourbon was because I feel like we talk about it every single year. This is a news story that continually comes out. So here we go. So the most recent story is of Jack Daniels and their warehouse expansion has overtaken the news feed. So Christy Long, she's of Lincoln County, Tennessee, and she believes the ethanol emissions from the distillery's barrel warehouses have harmed her business with the black fungus known as bedonia. Not going to try the next word there. But this isn't a new story. Over the years, residents in Nelson County and Barton have complained about this. And you can see it when you're driving towards the distilleries. And every distillery has gone out and said that it's not harmful. It's a natural compound. So a few questions started rising when I started thinking about this. I want to kind of put it to you all is that now that we've seen this start hitting more national headlines, I think it's starting to hit, it's, it's been around every single year, but now it's starting to hit some national headlines. What can distilleries do to make sure this argument and this bad PR doesn't happen again next year? Is there anything that can be done? Yeah, so I'll, I'll kick it off. I think really taking a step back, why it's making national news now too, is not only is it Jack Daniels, but you know the media being the media, you have The Last of Us, which is this hit show on HBO talking about a killer fungus. All of a sudden, you have a fungus problem around whiskey distilleries. It's like, hey, let's bring this up, right? It'll get it'll get people talking, which it certainly has. Oh, jokes, hold on, hold on. What, what what show are you talking about? Did I miss so this, this is The Last of Us on HBO, which is oh, the, okay, the okay. remake of the huge PlayStation video game, right? Killer fungus, black fungus. So there you go, right? It ties together. But I think reading the New York Times article and a few other articles, I, I think the viewpoint distilleries have that it's harmless is probably not rubbing people the right way, right? You have a lot of people who are working class people living nearby. They have this black fungus. There are solutions. You can put air filters on rick houses to try and, you know, air filter out some of the air. Jack Daniels will come out and said, we don't want to do that. We think it'll impact the quality of our whiskey, even though there's really no data behind that whatsoever. So you instantly have a we versus them mentality. However, the we versus them is a David versus Goliath. So naturally, you have this national brand, this global brand, right, making, you know, money hand over fist. And then you have these people who are just working class people nearby just getting pummeled by this black fungus. And it's just, it's heartbreaking seeing what they're going through and you really feel for them. So we realize it's happened in Kentucky for a long time now, right? And it comes up in the local news around Kentucky and Louisville, Lexington, Barstown, et cetera. This is the first time it's really reached national levels because of Jack Daniels. And this David versus Goliath mentality, like I mentioned, it's it's probably not going well because I've had a lot of people reach out from around the country asking me about it. And they're really just siding with these quote unquote, you know, those poor folks who live by, when I say poor, I don't mean literally financially, but those poor folks living by the distillery who are having to put up with this fungus. That's awful. And I think it's just really pulling at the right heartstrings at the right moment to really hopefully sway some change and see what comes about it. To be fair to those poor folks, there would be absolutely, I mean, if you all been to Lynchburg, there'd be absolutely nothing without that damn distillery. I mean, <laughs> So let's put it in perspective. These people aren't like, I mean, the, the distillery is their only lifeline of, of economic output. So that's, we got to put that in perspective for folks that they're not just, you know, just these like, uh, I don't, I don't know that, that, that storyline's kind of, you think it's analogous to like a, like a college university where <laughs> yeah. that city wouldn't exist unless the college was there. But yeah, but you know, you, I mean, that's also saying like, well, you look at, you live next to a, nuclear power plant, you know, and all of a sudden they have some leak going on. Well, those people wouldn't have a job if they weren't, you know, if there was a nuclear power plant. That's like not really an excuse to, to well, just I mean, say, a well, nuclear power plant leak would pretty different. much give you cancer and 
you know, no, but I'm just just because you're a business doesn't mean you can't impact the folks around you. Like you can provide prosperity, but you also can't impact their daily lives. Like there's a big difference between that. So there's, there's a couple facets here. One, the distillers used to go out to these people's homes. And I don't know if specifically to these people in, in Lynchburg, but they used to go out in the people's homes and uh, power wash. When they stopped doing that, that's when the lawsuit started. And I, I'm talking about in France. I'm talking about in Kentucky, uh, all, all over the place. The distillers do a very poor job of educating people about the truth of anything, whether it's their the real uh, history of their distillers uh, or how their stuff is made. If they just educated the public, if they did a better job educating the public and working with the public to make sure that these things could, they could get prevented, even saying like, you know, saying like, hey, you know what? This is an issue that comes up when you live near a distillery. You know, here's a stipend of $200 a year to get something from Lowe's. You know, and when you're throwing a music concert, you have to have meetings with all of the area neighborhood associations about how loud the music is going to be. And when people move out to these areas, uh, and this is endemic of our country, this is not this is not isolated to distilling. They move out into um, western western Wisconsin. And they start complaining about the smell at the dairy farms and place zoning regulations on dairy farms that have been there for 100 years. The, the, the major issue that we have here as citizens of the United States is people move somewhere and then they complain about something that, like Ryan says, is true economic output to that respective area. And while I do think that there's I think that this to me is all preventable. This is all preventable by the distillers. Whether or not they want to do it, contain it inside the warehouse or whether they want to help the residents uh, of the areas, they can prevent this. That, that, that I was 100 percent. But at the same time, my gosh, this is this is not um, um, this isn't like anything catastrophic. This isn't anywhere near catastrophic. And there this has been going on for over a century and people have been dealing with it for a long time. It's just, it, all it is, is a power wash. Why can't the distillers pay for that? That's, that's it. I guess. Yeah. That's the frustrating thing for us. Like being a, a resident of Barstown, we just kind of dealt with this, our whole, you know, that's just part of it. You know, it's just part of being around this industry, but you know, it's, it is harmless. I mean, people can believe that or not. I mean, it's just, it just, makes the trees look very strange. And then it, the, 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 the thing that I can't wrap my head around is like, I, you know, Barton and all them and will it change all their, you know, sidings to black, but heaven Hill is still building white warehouses right next. I'm like, what the hell are you all doing? Like, you know, what's, you know, your power washing bill is just going, but uh, yeah, it's just something that, that that's been dealt with and people, you know, have, it gets brought up every year, you know, what can they be done, this and that. And I think the conclusion has been bourbon is so important to the community that it's just going to be part of it, you know, and it's just, you, you have to know. Now there is, you know, some, if you're in a neighborhood and they're wanting to build a new warehouse and stuff, you have to get, you know, zoning and approval from the residents, you know, if you're so close to a new warehouse being built. Um, but 
so now residents know, you know, if you're an established home and they're that they have an input that whether those rick houses can be built there or whatnot, which is good. Um, but I think it's just a, as a community, it's just one of those things you have to like take the good with the bad. It's just is what it is. You know, to me, this is just like whistleblowing and kind of like uh, making something out of nothing and getting people riled up about there, there, there's bigger problems that people need to focus on than this, this damn set. Well, I mean, I, I see this because somebody else just kind of posted on here, Mr. Great shot saying that why don't the homeowners get off their butt and, and, you know, to kind of counterpoint what Fred had said is like, why is it this the homeowner's responsibility? Because I mean, I, I, I would imagine is land cheaper when you're there because of said problem. So there's there's definitely the, a counter argument to that as well. Brian, I, I saw you want to step in there. That's where the lawyer comes in and sues, right, Brian? <laughs> well, that, and that's actually the point I'm going to make. When these lawsuits started in the early 2010s in Louisville and Bardstown, there were these negligence claims and the some of the biggest attorneys in the state were coming in trying to file class actions and it all it all went to bed which tells me that there's nothing there i mean when when the guys who come in and want all these class actions and want all the press start leaving it, it tells me they're losing and they were losing the negligence claims left and right basically you know is there a duty to keep this to take these steps to keep this off of other people's property. And there's not for the same reasons you guys are all mentioning right now. It's out in the country. That's where these people are are moving into. What do you expect when you live next to a dairy farm? Or as someone said, you live next to a paper mill, it stinks, you know? And there are, despite whatever measures are taken to stop a paper mill from stinking, it's going to stink. Um, all the all the people in Butchertown, they, they have cried about how bad it smells. And and I'm not downplaying that because it it is an awful smell if you are driving through Butchertown at the wrong time of day on the wrong day of the week. Um, but it's Butchertown. But it, you moved to but Butchertown. It's Butchertown. <laughs> Guess what? It's called Butchertown, right? Um, so they're not winning these lawsuits. Um, this one, I think, is getting more press because of because of who it is. Um, it's not just Kentucky, but the big names were in Kentucky. Brown Foreman was a defendant. Diageo was a defendant. So you were getting the big names, but somehow you you weren't getting the press, and that's the difference here. And that can be a huge difference in a in a in a lawsuit and why attorneys take it and why they, they push it if they can get that press. So I'm not impressed with it, but we're going to keep seeing it time and time again. But the one thing about this particular story is that the lady said she's losing business because of it. And she said, she's going to sue over it. Do you think there's any merit to there? Do you think it's just going to be like, good luck? I don't know if there's, I don't know about her facts. So I don't know if what's going to happen to her, but I don't give her a whole lot of chance unless there's just like someone else has said, you just corporations get sued and then they settle. Um, that might be what she's going after. I don't know. I don't know anything about her facts. Brian, Brian, I feel like Tennessee's laws are a are little, are a little bit more mature in personal liability or, or company company to person, uh, liability because of, uh, some of the, the festivals I've been a part of there and, and helped out, uh, is there is there anything there that there in Tennessee there could be a there could be a stronger case because the law is a little bit more mature? 
You know, there might be. I don't know Tennessee law at all. I know a lot of the Kentucky cases were in federal court and they were going under federal law, which is going to be the same. Your your negligence is going to be a state is going to could vary from state to state on what the duties are and those sorts of things. But a lot of these are being filed under federal law. Yeah, I'm really mad that my neighborhood planted all these damn pin oaks, you know, 70 years ago to become a tree city because now I got these damn oak leaves and these damn whirly birds all around and it really sue just them. pisses me off. I should sue them. It's like, give me a break. You know, it's like you could complain about being in any situation and it, there's consequences with that. It's like I knew coming in, I have a huge pin oak that they planted all in my neighbors and never. And it's like, okay, you know what you're getting into. I don't know. I now, digress. Ryan, if you if you expand the old business to power washing, I think that might be uh, your key. If I do any more businesses, I'll get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. I'm kidding, but yeah, no more businesses. Then we'll be having that legal discussion on here, not about a soot. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think what's interesting about this one is just the the mainstream media attention that it's picked up. Like, I think we talked before, oh, we've, we've seen this one, but we haven't really seen it in like the New York Times and weather.com. And it just, maybe it's just because it's Jack Daniels or something else. And maybe it's just, she she hired a good PR firm, but you know, kind of to everybody else's point, you would think by now if there truly was a health risk or something else, that would have gone to court. So I guess that's why the angle is it's affecting her business. And you know, if I'm Jack Daniels, I'd probably say, well, you wouldn't have as many customers coming to your business if it wasn't for us being here, anyways. So you know, I, I wish we could make a contrary argument here, but it just kind of seems like one that it, it's probably getting, uh, yeah, getting getting a fund going for the black fungus. Uh, maybe the best route at this point. <laughs> yeah, shout, before, we, before we go, Fred, I just want to give a shout out to Logan right here because everybody that's listening to the podcast, they can't see what's on the screen. But Logan donated five dollars as a contribution to the Black Fungus Victim <laughs> Compensation Fund. So hey, that was hilarious. Do you or do you or a loved one live near Black Fungus? Uh, <laughs> you may be call, entitled to compensation. <laughs> contact Logan at uh, Bourbon Pursuit. Uh, anyway. Um, uh, so Brown Foreman has faced a dog toy uh, lawsuit that's gone all the way to the Supreme Court. We're waiting on details for that, right, Brian? It's actually set for hearing in three weeks. I was half going to try to get to D.C. to to listen to the hearing, um, but I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. But it's it's a fascinating fascinating case. Yeah, it's a big case, right? Just in it's terms a- of the impact it'll have outside of just whiskey Mass, and everything massive else. Massive yeah. case. And it, you know, it starts with uh, with whiskey. But yeah, great case. We should talk about that maybe uh, in one of these shows. But go ahead, Fred. I was going to say, so their lawyers are pretty busy right now. They've got the Supreme Court and whiskey fungus and Lord knows what else. I mean, whew. They're, uh, their billable hours are looking good. But they're on staff already. So that's fine. I don't know. They probably have like five firms working for them. That's probably true, too. Well, I think we, we've kind of uh, beat the fungus to death. I don't know if that's what's wrong. <laughs> but, I mean, is there anything else you guys want to bring up about the about the fungus? I, this is this has been a good argument because I know that we've, we've seen this time and time again. That's why I was very hesitant even putting this on This Week in Bourbon because it's like every year this gets brought up by some community and something like that. And it's just a it's a cyclical thing. And it's just it's in the news. It's out of the news. And I'm sure... 
we're part of the problem right now because we're helping the weather.coms and everybody else right now that that did put it out there and we're now talking about it but you know how this this news train article thing goes in two weeks nobody's going to care about it and it's going to be off to the next thing <laughs> to be honest i had to look it up because i thought maybe there was a new fungus strain coming out that <laughs> but no it's, it's like, the it's same like another shit. covid strain <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like we're talking about this again but no I'm, it's funny i thought maybe there was a new bourbon fungus it's the omicron variant of the That's whiskey right. fungus Unfortunately, it's just the same old thing been around. Milder, milder uh, coverage on trees, but a lot more. But everybody gets it. <laughs> yeah, but every tree gets it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, that'll kick it off into the second half here. And I think this is the one that uh, a lot of us were, were looking forward or looking forward to just because we have some varying viewpoints as we get into this. Um, I don't have all the details, so I'm going to uh, defer to somebody else to maybe Fred to be able to talk about this for a minute too. But there's been a new, I guess you could say, bill that's been put up. I think it's House Bill 5, I think is what it is, in front of uh, in front of everybody. And this is for voting, but it's going to be looking at the ad valorem tax or the barrel aging tax. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. There's been a new... I guess you could say bill that's been put up. I think it's House Bill 5, I think is what it is, in front of uh, in front of everybody. And this is for voting, but it's going to be looking at the ad valorem tax or the barrel aging tax. So one of the things that's very unique about Kentucky, and it's unique in either a good or a bad way, which we'll get to, is that we're the only state, when I say we, it's because Ryan and I, or Brian as well, Fred, we all actually live in Kentucky. So where this is the only state that actually taxes aging barrels. So the other all the states out there, they they don't charge taxes on them. So what goes to it? 
Uh, a lot of those taxes goes towards schools. They goes towards infrastructure. They go towards a lot of things that just go for those cities that house a lot of the aging rickhouses. So you're talking about Nelson County. You're talking about Shelbyville County. They're talking about all the counties that are sitting there holding a, a ton of barrels. So what House Bill 5 is going to be able to do and what the KDA is offering and putting in front of people. And by the way, I also want to preface this in saying that uh, I was messaged earlier and saying that the, the KDA does have some data points about this. They want to make sure that there's not a lot of false information that is being spread. Uh, so there is there is some information that you can find on their website about some data points that you can find from them. But as we get through this, they are advocating to get rid of the ad valorem tax. And there's a lot of good reasons that they're pushing towards. And that is because they want to see Kentucky distilleries thrive. They don't want them to be continually taxed on even more things. Um, We've also heard the counter argument that, well, we have seen how good bourbon has done. That's a cash cow. Why sit there and worry about a few extra more pennies? So I'll go ahead and open it up from there. I think that's a very terrible way to open it. But whoever wants to kind of take the first stab at at either a pro or a for or against, uh, Ryan, I think you're you're unmuted first. I think you should go first because we have talked about this on This Week in Bourbon before, and you have you've got a very... I wouldn't say a hard political stance, but you you definitely put it, draw a line in the sand of, of where you see this as well. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Get me in trouble first. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that necessarily this tax needs to go away completely, but it, there definitely needs to be a cap on it because there's grant. You don't, you know, we don't want to take money away from schools and all the things that benefit from this tax. You know, my counter argument is there, there's way, you know, if you are going to get rid of it, there's, a ton of ways you can replace this tax um, that wouldn't be punitive to one of the industries that funds a lot of money, not just with that ad valorem tax, but taxes in general. Um, this this is our biggest pretty much export, brings a lot of tourism dollars here. And many states are, you know, Texas has way more distilleries than Kentucky does. Uh, you know, you've seen companies like Sazerac made decisions to put distilleries in Tennessee and Indiana you know, for this very reason. So it's like, how many more jobs are we losing because of this tax? And so I think a fair compromise, and I don't know, would be a, a cap on it because when this was initiated, you know, it was based on, you know, how much barrels you had in inventory, but nobody could have ever anticipated the the amount of production and how many barrels would be in inventory when this was made. And so the states and cities or the counties that are getting this, I mean, in, in Bardstown, that there, there should be golden sidewalks and like, you know, like, uh, schools should be Taj Mahal's, but in reality, Bardstown can even like, okay, if you're going to say this tax is going towards the counties, this and that Bardstown can even support the growth of the distilleries in its own damn County. And it's like, well, where is all this freaking money going? And like, why can't it be used to help expand this industry? So if I'm a distillery, it's like, you're not even doing anything to help me grow my business here in this county. Why the hell should we be paying more taxes for this? You know, and so that's kind of my stance on it. it's like there's got to be a balance of like it's just gotten excessive. I don't know that the money is being utilized the way that it should be. You know, this is just all my I don't have like data or anything that says it's being wasted or whatever, but it's very concerning to me when you have this ad valorem tax and the distilleries have more in inventory and they've paid more taxes than ever. You, you can't even provide infrastructure for, for the distilleries to expand. That That's where I, I'm kind of frustrated with all this. 
Well, there's definitely a lot to unload there. Um, Blake, you go ahead and take it. I'll just I'll I'll chime back in after I kind of comment on on the Bardstown thing. You know, Bardstown. I think you know I, I think if we could treat that as a separate issue, as like their leadership is isn't quite there. You know, um, the forty million dollars that this ad valorem tax has been. You know, last that's what how much came out last year. That was earmarked for infrastructure, schools. I mean, I don't know the Bardstown school system. But those buildings look pretty nice. You know, I don't. I feel like that that the money is being put to good. The money's being used properly there. If the schools look good, I've driven through Bardstown. Oh, Bardstown a lot. schools are great. Don't get me wrong. So I'm, that's I'm what talking this, about. That's the what this. That's what this tax is for. Is but for sure, that. it's for, for infrastructure as well. It's like it's like how I mean, but how many damn Bardstown city schools have built? four new campuses in the past 10 years. And it's like, do we really need more Bardstown city cool school campuses? It's like, you know, it's just like, can't this be spent on infrastructure, you know, to support the growth of these distilleries? You know, I'm not saying like, I think it's just like gotten out excessive and out of hand. It's like, but I, I uh, would even but I would go ahead about the infrastructure there. Like the roads in Bardstown are, I would say way better than in Louisville. Like we can't, I, I can't go thirty yards without hitting a pothole in this town. You know, <laughs> well, I, it's not even the roads; it's the 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 water, the electricity, all the things that people need to expand distilleries are not available and haven't been planned for. You know, they'll say, "Well, we couldn't plan for this," and it's like, "Well, you've been getting money for." 10, 20 years, you know, why didn't you invest in infrastructure 10, 20 years ago? You know, and, and you know, mostly with water and sewage and electricity to, to provide growth for these distilleries. And that's why they're going to Lebanon and, uh, you know, uh, surrounding counties because the counties there are like, well, hell yeah, come here. You know, we'll, we, we won't, uh, we'll either give you the land or we'll, we'll have provide the infrastructure for you. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that's the things I see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a, definitely a Bardstown leadership issue. It sounds like. So real quick, as as cause, just sorry, Blake, and then I'll let you go here. So there was somebody in the chat that said, "How much did Pursuit pay ad valorem tax last year?" So I was just looking it up. I think we had uh, maybe last year was a little less than a thousand barrels. Uh, I would say maybe it was maybe 700, 800 barrels that were resting in Kentucky. And so I'm looking at my tax bill. So it's one thousand two hundred sixteen dollars and sixty eight cents. So in the grand scheme of things, not a lot for what we're paying, but that's $1,200 that could have gone towards something that we could have invested back in the company. Yeah, but be times that Heaven Hill that's got hundreds of thousands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and said, that's 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 800 barrels-ish, maybe even less. And so you you take that to somebody that's, yeah, definitely not our size. You take a Jim Beam or Heaven Hill and you multiply that and you're you're now you're looking at the millions of dollars. Yeah, that's where it gets tricky because it's not like, you know, it's not like it's Ford Motor Company there and they'll just say, hey, we're, we'll go build a new factory in South Carolina or wherever it may be. Like Heaven Hill just can't come and say, well, if, if you don't switch some of these taxes, we're going to Tennessee. Like Kentucky still holds, you know, a lot of value uh, being Kentucky bourbon, but it also has brought so much to the state or at least bourbon has um, in the way of tourism and everything else. So it, it's really just a tough one in general. I it just would go for lower tax no matter what. But uh, I, I think, it, you know, the distillers are kind of up against a hard one here because it's like when you say it's for schools and all these other things and 
I feel like that's a tough one to pull away. You know, that, that money's got to get made up somewhere um, in the grand scheme of the Kentucky budget. You know, 40 million is probably just not that much, but that's still a big number when you look at where it's going. And it's like, all right, well, if 28 million went to schools, where's that going to be made up at? You know, I, I don't want to see anybody pay more taxes, but it seems like that's at least a fair use. But that may be the only pro-tax stand I ever have uh, in a very small, limited capacity. Here's how you make it up: you let you quit, stop letting people go across the river to gamble in Indiana, or maybe legalize legalize weed in marijuana. I have friends that will drive across the bridge, make a bet, and then drive across, you know, to Kentucky. It's like how freaking that, stupid just too many vices. It's, it's too it's many, like, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be the same thing here. In one state. Yeah, it it'd be nice, you know. And I'm not. I'll be the first to say I'm not one for taxes by no means any any which way. Um, but it'd be nice to see a, a compromise of more of a tax shift. I'm really what I'm truly not about is stifling innovation for small businesses. And Kenny, you talked about your tax bill, and it's minor. But you know what? It, it also like you like you mentioned that's. $1,200 you can invest in someplace else. And when any small business is starting up, and even any medium-sized business, you know, however you want to define it, every single dollar is precious in what you do with your company and your organization. And to have that in the now and to be able to reinvest it right then and now pay taxes it is crucial, right? So it'd be nice to see more of a tax shift. Uh, maybe on the final product, you know, you can maybe it's for every year the whiskey spent in the barrel, you'll be taxed just as equivalently as if you would have on a yearly basis. Either way, you would have shifted it. You would have had capital to play with the entire time. Um, it would have been really nice. I'm more about seeing small businesses being able to thrive. I realize this impacts more of a large large whiskey distillery, et cetera, in terms of the tax bill. And of course, where the funds go to schools and stuff like that. But you know, companies the size of Pursuit Spirits, et cetera, more competition is always good. It creates innovation. Having money to play with in the here and now is super important. So in that aspect, you know, I, I think it's good that it's going away for small businesses. I'd love to see some sort of compromise or shift in what ends up playing out. Um, I think there's a way of making this work for everyone. But I, I do appreciate when small businesses have the funds available and the capital and cash flow to do things here and now. To be very clear about this pursuit of a repeal of this, and I, I do think that a lot of groups have gotten together and attacked the bourbon industry in a very negative way, and I think an unfair and untruthful way. They're going. Th- their proposal is to phase this starting in 2026 and conclude it in 2039. So it's not like they're pulling the rug out from underneath with this tax. It's not like $40 million is going to instantly disappear. But I just want to bring up some of the people that are against this. Obviously, the educators have come out opposed to it. The firefighters have come out against it. Pretty much every public works group has come out against it. And to me, one of the biggest names from the bourbon industry is a bourbon hall of famer named Jerry Summers who basically built a lot of the uh, tourism stuff for Beam. You know, Jerry Summers is the judge executive for Bullock County, and a judge executive huh, is like it's like Wonder like a count, county commissioner. You know, I mean, so <laughs> You're trying to say that's helping he, his, that's trying to he, help his his citizens helps, and stuff like he that. Gets, he there gets go. them votes, them votes um, would like that tax. Uh, 
And so the, the amount of people that have kind of come together, they all say, we love Kentucky bourbon, but we need this tax, you know, and say like, you know, we won't be able to, uh, we won't be able to proceed. I mean, the, the arguments they're making is, it's like, you know, fire trucks won't be running. Teachers won't show up to work. I mean, they, they it's just like any other kind of political fight. And then, and then on the other side, the bourbon distillers are saying like, they're going to leave Kentucky. That ain't going to happen. You know, kind of like Blake was saying, like the value is too strong to have Kentucky on your label. I mean, you're welcome to move your distillery and operations to yeah, Ohio. Yeah, but but, but but these companies, Fred, don't just have bourbon. They have a wide portfolio of products that, so like brandy, so brandy barrels, you know where they're going to store them? They're going to store them in another state. When they're going to make fireball, they're already they're doing fireball that. in another state. Yeah, they're but already that's the doing thing. That. They did that because of the tax here. That's, that's warehouses being built. That's jobs here. That's stuff that is gone because of the tax. Companies are smart. They won't do it with bourbon. They will keep it here, obviously. But they're big corporations and they have their portfolios are diverse and they're putting their other products in other states where their tax revenue, there is no taxing. And that's where it is. They don't even need to stop it at bourbon, Ryan. I mean, I agree with you 100%. Everybody think back to what it takes to put Kentucky on the label. Okay. It's only how, one year and how, a day. How long does it have to get stored here? One year. year and a day. So Sazerac mysteriously buys a shit ton of property in southern Indiana. Gee. So they they distill and then Franklin County screws them. So they start putting warehouses in southern Indiana, distill it here, store it for a year, and then move it to Indiana. You better believe it. They're going to do that. Absolutely, 100%. And they still sell. Kentucky but historically, bourbon. historically, they've made this threat before. And it's, it's never happened in a large wave. It's They they have some uh, properties in Indiana, Ohio, um, something in Tennessee. But they, you know, for the most part, they stay in Kentucky. And something like Christian Brothers, which is, you know, Heaven Hills Brandy. I mean, they, it, there's never been a plan for having it entirely here it's in california it's in it so i i don't think i i think that 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 threat is is not the most uh effective way to to promote your cause i would say that you know this this is on the this came on the on the books when in the 1930s when the distillers endorsed a governor that was running uh, an opponent that was running against happy Chandler, happy Chandler won it, had a, had a bone to pick with the distillers and issued a tax. Uh, he, you know, basically issued a tax on distillers. It was a nickel, nickel, a gallon or something like that. And then, uh, he went on to be the major league baseball commissioner came back and, uh, to become governor again after, you know, being a uh, major league baseball commissioner, it was and still they pissed him at, a dime then, didn't they? And he, he was no, still pissed. <laughs> he was still pissed at the distillers, and he taxed them again. Really? But he doubled oh, it. He literally doubled the tax. So yeah, I was just guessing here. right there. How about yeah, it? He literally doubled the tax, <laughs> and the distillers have hated this tax. And every single time they have, um, you know, done anything politically, they've always said, "Don't get another Happy Chandler." Happy Chandler was like, like that. This. In all the power that the distillers have today and everything that they have done for this state, this is their only time, their only time 
that they can repeal us. They have been working up for this for a, since 2009. Everything that they have done since 2009 when they uh, basically fought the uh, sales tax uh, at the wholesale level, they have been trying to, one way or another, get this thing uh, taken back. And they've been talking about like, you know, people going o- across the state for a long time. And this is a, it is a very damaging tax. No doubt about it. It's a damaging tax, but it's been on there for so long and everybody's kind of used to it. What's one of the big differences today is that they are getting a lot of pressure from the unions to get more money for their workers. And they are, you know, there's not a, when they go to look at their books, there's, they're going to start cutting into bone if they have another strike, you know, or, or the fat bonuses that go to the executives, you know. That brings up a good segue into what I was going to say, Fred. So, you know, we might wax poetically about bourbon and think about it romantically and, and everything else. But going back to Ryan and Brian's point, at the end of the day, these are, you know, mega corporations, publicly traded companies. This is a dollars and cents and spreadsheet issue. So, yeah, if it makes sense and they can figure out, you know, we can save money and we can move stuff around. Yeah, our threats in the past were false. No, we're going to start moving stuff across the river to find other ways to do things. At the end of the day, bourbon's a business. It's a straight up business and they're looking at profit and losses. And we can think, oh, think about all the tourism it brings to Kentucky. And this is a business and these are companies that have shareholders to report to. And that's what matters most to them. Not where it's being stored, not what public perception is of them. They're going to continue doing well. So, you know, the state needs to think long and hard about their needs, but also remember that these are businesses. And at the end of the day, they're, they're cold hearted, right? It's, it's what do we do to bring value to our shareholders? That's their job. And that's why they exist now. Um, and that's a very real thing to keep in the forefront of everyone's mind. I'm going to ask a dumb question. And, and maybe it's because like I haven't asked it in a, a long time. I mean, is bourbon Kentucky's biggest export? I know at one time it was tobacco. I'm sure it's not anymore. Is is bourbon Kentucky's biggest export? I mean, I can't think of any bigger it's one. Got to be right. I mean, Do you mean export like to other countries or no, outside? Just of outside Kentucky? Of, outside of the state. It has to be. It has to be. Okay. Let me go to so, the Google. <laughs> you go to the Google. The, the whole thing. I'm 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 sitting here trying to trying to reel this in a little bit and 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 take this in is is because I look at this and I go right back to the conversation we had about the bedonia and the black fungus. Is that this wouldn't exist. People wouldn't be coming here. They wouldn't be paying the hotel tax. They wouldn't be paying uh, all this all this tourism. They wouldn't be doing all this if it wasn't for the distilleries already. So why would you continue to tax the biggest thing that's bringing the most money in economic development into the state? And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I look at. It's like, okay, it's $40 million. Like, yeah, we paid 1200 of it. I know it's pennies on, the, on it, whatever it is. But I mean, that's that's something that like, why should we get tax just because we live here and we're storing barrels here? I get that. But, you know, this is one thing that you look at, at what what's bringing into the state, what is doing for tourism, what it's doing for the economic development of all the surrounding counties. I mean, that has to speak volumes. Preach. Well, and preach. You're, you're you're told you're, you're leaving out the eleven and a half percent tax that we have to pay. Yes. When we wholesale <laughs> the wholesale tax, when you, you have to bottle it and sell it. You know, and so you're like, you're, you're getting tax. So Kentucky, people don't know, they have one, probably the highest the wholesale tax the in the whole country. And so to sell bottles here, you get taxed on that as well. So it's like you get taxed on it aging, taxing when it's selling. And 
let me be clear. I do not want to take any money away from schools and whatnot. And I don't think they should abolish this tax 100%. There needs to be some renegotiations and a cap put on it because the amount of barrels that are sitting in inventory are astronomically more than ever. And it's not... It just needs to be like reevaluated. I think that that's all. I think you know. It's, I mean, yes, the t- the, the there there's so many more things. Our 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 state is. I don't know. It's screwed up. It's <laughs> it's like it's like any politics, but ours is even worse here because the the people in power in areas that have no clue what are going on in other parts of the the state and and they're they're trying to appeal to their constituents you know in rural areas and it's very disconnected kind of situation between the people in power in the state and i'm going to get myself in trouble but uh you know we're we're taxing the thing it's like we're going to tax kentucky basketball and louisville basketball next you know i think someone else has said that you know it's like we're going to tax the things that make the state great i don't know it's it's politicians literally this time drunk on the money. I mean they 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 can't get away from it. And with this long period of of winding this to a lower tax, it gives them an opportunity. We're not going to have a, a stoppage of of fire protection tomorrow. We're not going to you know the schools aren't going to all get raised tomorrow. I mean it's just nonsense that that all these arguments we made. I think that's the part that is is really getting missed in this entire conversation. It's being phased out. I I I I'm I'm kind of with Ryan. Like I don't want to see it go away entirely. I want us to do something with the schools, you know, with the education system. But I think th- th- what happened was what's what really has happened and I was trying to say it earlier is that everybody got used to this tax because it's been on there since the 30s and the distillers accepted it. And everyone always thought it was just going to be there. And places that maybe should not have been getting the funds because they misappropriate them or whatever, uh, they just depended on it. And so now that they see this as possibly being taken away and being put to use for the businesses, uh, that is the, you know, that's scary to them. And when you tell... You know, I, I was in, you know, when I was in the military, you told me my, um, my, my unit was going to lose a Humvee. We did everything we could to fight for that Humvee because it was scary as shit to lose a Humvee out of a small unit. And I think that's, that's how government workers think is like, they don't know where it's going to come from. They just, they're just trying to save what they have and what they have known. And it, it will come from something else. And we said it at the top. There's so many things that we could do to improve taxation for gambling, for, you know, marijuana, which is legal everywhere else. Uh, or, heck, you know, even increase like hotel rates, you know, hotel tax. There's so many things. By the way, automotive industry seems to be the number one export. Toyota and Ford, huge. All right. So here I got one more point. I just I can't get off of this. Sorry, it's so Bardstown has grown 1% annually over the last 20 years, yet we've built three new school campuses on there. Who's benefiting from that? You know, why do we need that that much school? Why do we need new schools for a population that's only growing 1% a year on a population that's 13,000? 
Okay. It's like Who's the kids don't learn anything that? there what anyway. Contract? Yeah. The contractors. That's right. You just <laughs> yeah. said it, Ryan. The contractors. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so maybe they don't get new iPads every six months. They get them every two years. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. There, There's just... This just doesn't, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm voting for Ryan in the next election. I'm writing yep. you in. Sounds like a stump man. speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do they, do they close school every week? You know, <laughs> because it's a little windy. Actually, I will give them credit. Nelson County was one of the only counties that did not cancel school Friday. So good for them. Go. I'm sure I'm going to get some, I can't wait till this airs on Friday. I'm going to get a bunch of calls. And <laughs> all my people in city council at Bardstown telling we'll, me how we'll, wrong we'll cut am. out all the bad stuff. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> yeah. They're watching it live, Ryan. That's, yeah. Good one. Them and the senators. I think we hit on a lot of good, good stuff here. And I still think there's a, there's some other things that we can touch on. And, and before we sign off here, I think that uh, Brian, give us an update because you did say that there's some other new things that will be coming out here over the next few weeks, because you did say that they're still going to be talking about this uh, in, in hearings and so on and so forth. Yeah. So there's still revisions to it. I mean, it's not final. I mean, the way these work is you got to, you're bobbing and weaving and making revisions and trying to make concessions here and there. So who knows what it comes out like? Who knows if the the time frame gets lengthened more or um, when it when it does start going down, does it go down less sharply than it is? So there's there's a lot of room. I bet we'll have a lot of updates by the by the 27th, and maybe we can talk about just just kind of as an update then. Um, you know, not we've, I think we've hit all the main points now, but we'll be able to do some updates on the 27th. I think this will be, and this is an interesting, from our perspective, Brian, as historians that, you know, we've, we've both been writing about it, the history of this for, for a long time. This is one of those, like, this is one of those moments that historians will write about, about bourbon in a hundred years. Like I did with happy Chandler and his hatred for the distilling industry. I think this is a this is a line in the sand for Kentucky bourbon distillers. I think I don't believe that they will actually pack up and move their facilities. You all seem to be a little bit more, you know, thinking they will. I I, I think that's a um, a bluff. But if they indeed do that, I mean, that's you know, that's something that the the lawmakers are going to have to consider. Because, you know, that will that vote will be on their hands. And if if you are the senator that had the vote for making sure that uh, Kentucky bourbon didn't get its uh, phased out tax, you know, of the barrel tax to be able to invest in their own people. And maybe they should do it. Maybe the distillers should do a better job of saying, like, we're going to give the people at these distilleries raises. You know, I, I don't know. They say they're going to invest back, but they're always very vague. And, you know, they're they're having a strike every other year. I think if they came out and said, we're going to give it to the workers, going to give all this money to the workers, I think a lot of the opposition would go away and you'd have um, you'd, you'd have your workers, you know, out there talking about it. But they're not going to do that because where will that money, that extra money go? I mean, who knows? Who knows what will happen? Maybe it's going to go to a Brown Foreman lawyer, Brian. I don't know. But. Oh. Uh, we need new Air Jordans, so that's what it would go towards. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, I, I think I think there's there's going to be a lot of good arguments for and against. I know that we have. I, I don't think that we we're not calling a bluff and saying that it's going to move anywhere else. I think it's still going to be there. I think it's going to be 
it's not to say it's I think it's a move for the distillers to say this is this is a a benefit that we're going to give you like thank you for doing so much for the industry thank you for bringing so much to the tourism thank you for pouring hundreds of millions of dollars every single year into our city we'll give you this tax break because we see the value of of what's happening because I think there is there's a larger picture to paint rather than just what are we going to do about the schools in Nelson County? I think there's a, a larger picture that that needs to be settled about that. And it's not just in that particular county, but it's a fact of like how it affects the entire state and how it affects the entire industry of, of how it's impacted, not only just those that are working in it, but those that benefit from it and those that are surrounded by it as well. So, yeah, well said. It's very well said. It's going to be fascinating to watch. And outside of this, i will not be giving any other commentary on I'll tell you that. It's not a not something I get too excited to talk about. All right. Well, get your six foot poles around and make sure you poke it. Not 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 too far away, but just 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 far enough. But that'll go ahead. That'll wrap it up for tonight. So, fellas, this is a great opportunity. Good topics to be able to talk about. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll wrap it up real quick, starting with the guy that's below me over here, Blake from Sealbox. And do you, are you even go by Bourboner anymore? Like, what's the point of Bourboner anymore? You know, just for nostalgia's sake. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, it's still my Instagram, I guess. But that's no, true. fun topics. Um, Glad to, you know, kind of get to debate some of these a little bit and, and hash out the, the fun sides of bourbon that we're, um, you know, we can we can talk about and others have to make decisions on. So it's a good episode. Good number 400. Uh, I'm Blake from Sealbox and Bourboner. So thanks for having me. But mostly Sealbox. 70-20. <laughs> Brian. Doesn't add up to 100, though. <laughs> it's okay. It's kind of like right. his audio. <laughs> all right brian with bourbon justice sipping corn uh this is a great one happy to be on number 400 and uh, I, I like when we all get a little agitated and uh that that makes it fun for me um i look forward to seeing everyone on the 27th again that hearing in, at the supreme court is on the 22nd so maybe we talk about that a little more or at least look on uh i rarely write any blogs anymore but i'll write one about this one so it'll be fun thanks for having right. me guys are you going to be camped outside with your chair waiting I'm, for I'm the doors to open the next day? I'm, I'm actually licensed at the Supreme Court, so I have like priority seating if I do end up making that quick trip. Wow. So I might do it. Wow. Takes a guy to know. Can you bring a friend? Awesome. Can you fix yeah, Blake's you audio when you're there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we all do need to go to Florida. Let's have let's let's do this live from Florida and we'll fix all of Blake's computer problems. Done. We'll, we'll do it Set from it Disney. Up. Yeah, <laughs> I think Fly from Breeze, Breeze Airways flies straight to Jacksonville now from from Kentucky. So we got like a thirty nine dollar one way now. Oh gosh, is that a good is that, air, is that a good airline? We'll lose yeah, money I've, if I, we don't go. I've flown Breeze to San Francisco. Yeah, it's great. All right, it's done. Let's do it. All right, All right Jordan. Thanks, guys. Operation Mike Rescue. <laughs> Great episode 400. Really appreciate you having us all on. Jordan from BreakingBourbon.com. Looking forward to. Uh, Episode 401. Well, I guess not 401. Looking forward to roundtable number 79. Perfect. 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 Well, fellas, once again, this is a great conversation. We touched on a lot of good topics, but that's what we do every single time. So we'll see what we have cooking up for the next one on Barbecue Roundtable number, as Jordan said, number 79. But until then, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.